Hello, hello. My name is Jess and this is Patient POV. A few housekeeping things before we get started is um, if you'd be willing to subscribe, I would absolutely love that um, wherever you're listening. Um, and then you can also follow us on Instagram at um, Jess underscore and underscore Elda, which is E-L-D-A. Um, and Elda is my service dog. And then... Um, the next thing is if you want to follow us on YouTube or TikTok, um, that is patient POV. And yes, that is the housekeeping things for the day. <laughs> um, jumping into this, uh, this episode, I'm very excited for you guys all to hear um, from Mariah. And she is talking about um, IBD and PCOS in particular, and specifically about how uh, she was able to utilize food to help um, not heal, but improve her symptoms and improve her numbers, um, like her blood work numbers. So I'm really excited for you to, to listen to this. Um, while holistic treatments, shall we say, um, aren't always the solution um, because we have to understand that there's sometimes some limitations. Um, they definitely do help improve things. And so um, I am neither holistic only or Western medicine only. I think it's a good combination of both things that um, has, has helped a lot of people, but I won't um, say one is better than the other at all. Um, but I really do think that uh, she's proof that what we put into our bodies um, contributes a lot to our health. And um, yeah, so I'm excited for you to listen to that. That was very poorly said, but I hope you understand what I'm meaning. <laughs> um, and then the last thing is me. It's been a busy week um, working. School's back on again, as I mentioned last week. And then I've been recording a lot of episodes um, the next two weeks, I think it is. Um, and then last week, I've been recording a bunch of episodes so that we have episodes recorded and ready to go for um, the weeks ahead. And so now it'll be a matter of editing them all. Um, and then because I'm doing so many videos, I'm hoping to do some more intros all at once, which also means that um, we, you, you, you might not always hear about my week because we might not, I might not do that intro in that week. So what I think I might start doing is um, sharing stories, um, whether it's from people who have written in. Um, so if you want to write in to me and tell me a funny story that happened, or um, you want to say a funny story, a, a, a not great story, um, something comes to mind of encouragement, or you had a situation with a doctor, you want to share it, please write in to me. Um, you can uh, just DM me on Instagram at um, Jess underscore and underscore Elda, E-L-D-A. And um, I'd love to hear from you. And if I don't get too many or um, or there is a lull in it, uh, then I will start sharing some of my stories as well. Or maybe I'll just start doing that anyways. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what's to come for the next uh, the next 
season of episodes, shall we say. But uh, yeah, as always, I really appreciate you supporting me and um, any words of encouragement that you can give. I appreciate it. And then I think in the polls, um, if you look on the show notes, if you're listening on Spotify, um, if you look in the show, there's going to be information in the show notes as there always is about the episode itself and recommendations. Um, But there will also be a question of what did you think of the episode? And I'd love to to hear. Um, and if you also want to write a, a review, I would also love that very much um, or rate it. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping things for today. Um, and as always, I hope you guys have a great week ahead. Thanks. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. I'm just wondering if you wanted to jump right in and start by introducing yourself, who you are, and kind of your health journey background. Yeah, for sure. Um, My name is Mariah, and I am a Spoonie. I have IBD and PCOS diagnosed and possibly some other stuff going on. Of course, you know how the autoimmune stuff stacks up. But I am... 36 now and I've been going through this journey for about 10 years, eight years diagnosed. I have been through all kinds of stuff with this journey and goods and bads and and everything in between. So I started sharing my story and opening up to this community and I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to hopefully use some of my story to help others. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that. Um, And so why don't we just jump right into that of um, what would be some of your challenges that you faced and if there's any coping strategies that you've been able to find along the way? Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) I think that originally the diagnosis was key. So fighting for that diagnosis is a huge tip that I always tell people Um, it doesn't necessarily change the struggles. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it gives you a direction and at least something to label it, which really helped me. I was fighting with just symptoms that I wasn't sure what they were at first, especially with the IVD. I was on some medication and they're like, oh, once you get off this medication, you'll be fine. So just hang in there and then it'll go away. And it, it didn't. So then I started playing around with all kinds of maybe I'm just sensitive to this, or maybe I'm gluten intolerant or dairy intolerant or all the things. So I started cutting everything out and quickly realized I had to cut beyond everything out and was down to probably a handful of safe foods, right? So that was, that was a struggle. And I didn't know enough about it yet to start reaching out to people or to, you know, I was just trying to like work through it by myself. I thought I kind of knew how to eat well and couldn't figure out why sometimes eating well felt like the worst case for me. I felt sicker when I would have a salad versus, you know, a donut, which is just your mind doesn't quite know how to wrap around all of those struggles. You're like, I'm, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do and I can't. So, so there have definitely been struggles along the way, but almost 10 years down the road, I can tell you there are so many tools out there. There are so many strategies to find and talk about and try. Everyone is so different. And so any advice that I have 
is obviously not from a doctor's perspective, and I encourage you to to work with your medical team. But if I can tell you, you know, a few things that have helped me through this journey, uh, number one would be support and community. And I didn't find that until much later on in my journey. So if you're doing that earlier on in your journey, then I applaud you and awesome job for being here because I didn't know that that was a thing. And then probably really diving into my nutrition, my fitness, my overall lifestyle and things that I could try to eliminate that weren't healthy for me or, or reduce in stress or things like that. And then finding a great medical team, somebody that will listen to you, someone that will not just hand you medication and, and be done, you know, like actually listen to you, actually, you know, use a, a combo, an array of tools at their disposal with medication and diet and changes. And um, I'm a big proponent of cold therapy. That has been something that really helps my inflammation. You being from Canada, you're probably getting cold therapy all the time. <laughs> For me in Southern California, it's cool out, so I can actually pull off a sweatshirt almost. But <laughs> I do a lot of cryotherapy when I can. It's very expensive, but I love it. And I'm working on getting a cold tub so that I can do that more often and see how that feels. That's wonderful. Yeah, those are all really, really great um, strategies for sure. Now, just you were mentioning the um, the stomach issues and the foods that you're cutting off. So can you in like a brief, simple way for anybody listening, explain what like IBD is or what PCOS is? Yes, I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, going back a little. So for me, IBD, mm -hmm. IBD is irritable bowel disease. So it is a little bit different than an upset stomach or IBS where it's a symptom, but it's going to resolve. It is a lifelong, unfortunately not yet curable disease. For me, I was actually gaining weight. A lot of times, a lot of IBDers will lose a lot of weight. For me, it was the inflammation and um, gaining weight. I was going to the bathroom probably six to 10 times a day. And it was one of those things that it hurt. I did an elimination diet with a nutritionist who really helped me figure out which foods I could and couldn't handle. But I didn't realize how important it is to not stay on an elimination diet when you're there. So yes, when you're in a flare-up and you're, a flare-up is basically when your symptoms have increased just because you have IBD, it doesn't mean that like every day for the rest of your life, you're going to be living in the bathroom. It does ebb and flow. And so when you're in a flare, you almost have to do just, you know, the minimal, whatever you can eat to tolerate. But when you're not in a flare, when you're doing better, it really is good to start working on your microbiome and growing that gut bacteria. I had to do it very, very slowly. Um, so we can get more into how I control my IBD, but that is basically what I was dealing with when I got it. I was diagnosed with a colonoscopy after two years of symptoms, and I was diagnosed originally with ulcerative colitis, which is inflammation just in your colon, in your large intestine. And then two years later, after moving to California, I had another colonoscopy 
right after a flare-up, and they changed the diagnosis to Crohn's disease, which is your entire GI tract. So it can be anywhere from your mouth to anus and any inflammation in between. Mm, okay. And so that extra diagnosis of Crohn's, how did that play into things? Did it end up changing how you were treated or how you lived your life or anything like that? Thankfully, no. Um, okay, I have been able to stay on mesalamine has been my like go-to drug so far. And I've been able to stay on that through, it's usually used for ulcerative colitis, but for some reason my body responds really well to it. And I haven't had to increase the level of medication with infusions or biologics or anything like that. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you were mentioned, oh, sorry. Was there anything? Go ahead. That's kind of the IBD side. And then the PCOS was added on yeah. later. Yeah. And so, so do you want to explain that? Yeah. PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's probably something that I've had most of my life that was undiagnosed. That's one I'm still learning more about, but that I feel like it's so important for us to talk about as females, because I had horrible cramps growing up. I mean, where I would have to call my mom to come home from high school. Like I cannot stay in class anymore. I will pass out. I will throw up. I will do all of the things. And I've told, I would say countless, like 10 plus OBGYNs that I have these type of cramps and they just kind of blew it off like it was normal. And I'm here to say that it is not normal. <laughs> you should not be on your deathbed every month. And um, so I moved around a lot. I moved from Florida to Georgia to Pennsylvania and now to California with my husband through his schooling and everything. And he's a biochemist. So we followed his career path around. But... I finally got a recommendation from my GI team here, which I, I adore, and they referred me to a weight loss specialist who was like, I think something's going on. You know, you need to see him. I'm not severely overweight, but I work out hours a day with my job and I eat really well and I still just was a little bit heavier than I wanted to be. So I get to the doctor and he actually offered me a refund on my copay when he walked in because he's like, I'm a weight loss specialist. You don't, you're at the wrong doctor. Oh. And I was so devastated because I had waited so long to start getting some answers to these questions. And you're an endocrinologist. So I need, you know, your testing to be able to get these answers. And so I always bring my husband with me to medical appointments. One, it's great to have a second ear in case you miss anything. But also I found, unfortunately, they take other people more seriously than the patient sometimes. And so they'll look to him to like confirm that I really do have these awful cramps that I, I talk about or, you know, things like that. And unfortunately, it's part of the fight that we have as patients to be taken seriously when your invisible illness is, is real. So he looked to him and, and he's also a scientist. So using his, you know, like doctor like language, he was able to convey that I did really need tested. 
And this doctor started to say, okay, I think I know they might be on the track of PCOS, like thinking your GI is maybe, you know, connected to that and you have autoimmune, so let's test it. So PCOS looks different in everyone, which is why it's very hard to find and diagnose, but it typically comes with severe cramping, possibly irregular cycles, although I had been on birth control since I was very young because of the bad cramps. So I pretty much had had a regular cycle. I struggled with weight loss. I had some like hair loss issues and some weird hair growth places like, you know, just like on your face or your stomach that is not typically seen in, in a female. So we did the test. I had had tons of blood work done throughout the whole Crohn's process and never found anything, but he recommended a test where, you know, you do the sugar test and you take your fasted blood work before, and then you drink some syrup, uh, and then you do a couple hours later blood test. And that determined that my insulin production is actually five times higher than it should be, which is like really high. And the doctor, when we came back in for the follow-up was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't believe you. (laughs) I don't know how you're not three or 400 pounds and needing a weight loss specialist, you know? And I was like, I told you, I, I eat really well. I work out all the time and here we are. So Um, I am on metformin for that right now. I'm hoping that that's not a forever thing. That's a medication they typically give to pre-diabetic patients. Um, It's weird because I'm not diabetic, but it can lead to type 2 diabetes because your body produces so much insulin that your receptors start to ignore the insulin that you're producing, it gets overwhelmed and they shut down. So, you know, it starts to become an insulin resistance, even though that's not typically, you know, what's causing it. So that is PCS for me. It can be cystic, um, you know, ovaries and all kinds of stuff that hasn't been the case for me necessarily all the time, but, um, yeah. 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 And as you were saying, um, a lot of women, I've been a, quite looking into research on this um, quite a bit recently, but a lot of women um, experience what you're exactly what you're saying at a young age, these extremely painful periods and cramps and, and all this. And then they go to their doctor and they say, this is what's happening. The doctor says it's normal. And 10 years, 20 years down the line that we're saying, okay, we can't do this anymore. It's enough is enough keep fighting for it and then end up being PCOS is a very common one. So we were saying, um, what's the frequency or or how common is it? And, um, the world health organization says it's eight to 13% of reproductive aged women have it. Um, and 70% of women remain undiagnosed. And so people are struggling and just don't even know it exists and there's not enough education about it. So I'm, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and how, you were affected by PCOS in particular. Um, So then just jumping back into the IBD side of things, you were mentioning that you were doing quite a bit to help um, your gut biome and, and, and what were those techniques that you used to kind of make yourself have a healthier gut when you weren't in a flare? Yes, it's been a journey, obviously, if it's been 10 years, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, (laughs) I've tried a lot of things 
And the first one was the elimination diet, which did help me figure out the trigger foods and, and even foods that don't necessarily bother my gut, but I would start seeing some skin reactions to soy and nuts and things that I thought were fine. And I was eating more of because they weren't making me sick in <laughs> my internal AGI issues. So, um, I was honestly eating white rice, chicken, white rice, turkey and like white rice cereal with rice milk like that was the extent of my food and I did that for several years oh wow it was the blandest diet I was able to almost get off of medication even because I I was just not eating anything that could trigger me but I say that with a, a but because mentally that takes a toll right like you it's not how you're supposed to eat. It's not when everybody else around you is eating all kinds of fun stuff and you're bringing your plate of, of food everywhere you go. Um, it was very mentally challenging. Plus, it's not how we're supposed to eat, right? Like we know we're supposed to be eating our fruits and veggies and all of this stuff. And so I was starting to feel very fatigued. Um, a, lot of, a lot more frequent flare-ups if I did have any bite of anything else, I would just, it would send me into a tailspin. So I started asking questions. Doctors weren't super helpful with the nutrition side of things. I did meet with some dietitians. A lot of times they're like, well, you're a very special case. Like just eat whatever, you know, feels good to you and, and don't eat the things that feel bad, which I get my original GI doctor said to avoid fiber, that that's what would cause me the most trouble, which in a flare may be true, but it's, it's actually what can heal you. <laughs> and so I started doing a lot of research. I actually started following Instagram accounts, which I don't, you know, it's, it's how we get the story out there and people are talking about it. So I started finding these plant-based um, IBDers. And I was like, I don't understand. I literally can't eat a bite of vegetables <laughs> without getting sick. How do you live plant-based? I would love to morally. I had been struggling with meat and, you know, all the things we know about animal agriculture, which is a whole nother topic for another day, but the things that they're putting into our meat. So you have to spend an enormous amount if you want to actually get like cleaner, better for you, healthier foods was a lot. So I was going through all the research in that. And I met a guy who was from my area in Pennsylvania. We hadn't met in person, but he basically said he transitioned with a lot of bananas. He did like a banana diet and that's how he like worked his way into plant-based. I don't know that I recommend it, especially with PCOS added on top. That's like a lot of bananas that you have to eat. <laughs> but I did it. And again, not a doctor, not telling anyone <laughs> to do this. It worked for me. I ate bananas and the first day I was really sick and I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, but by that night I actually felt better and more energetic. And I started incorporating some plant-based protein shakes too. Cause I just felt like there was no way just bananas was probably the best way to go. Um, and I had been able to start drinking some shakes before that. 
and working those in. So I did a banana diet for a week. And then I just started very slowly incorporating other foods. And sometimes it was a bite at a time, like especially greens, right? They're really rough and hard for the digestive system to process. So just a bite of green beans and, and then put it down and then two bites of green beans like the next day. And here I am. I've been vegetarian for four years and vegan for three now. And my numbers are all way better than ever before. I had started right before that transition, kind of in that gap time. Vegetarian, I was eating a lot of eggs and turkey bacon, and that was working okay with my Crohn's. But my cholesterol was really high, and my blood pressure was starting to be on the borderline of they were going to talk about medication if it got any higher. And I'm happy to say that now, uh, this many years later, my C-protein, which is something that they look for in your stool for inflammation, is down. It was about a thousand, which one to 50 is like the normal scale. Um, it was <laughs> up at around a thousand <laughs> when yeah. I had a flare up in 2020. And now three years later, being fully vegan, I am down to a five on the scale. Oh, wow. So, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. My blood pressure is almost on the low side of the normal range. My cholesterol is down. So not to say that it's a miracle or, you know, that it works for every person. You have to listen to your body and kind of go through the steps. But I seriously recommend the book Fiber Fueled. If anybody mm. is thinking about it, it's written by a GI doctor. And he has done extensive studies outside of his medical practice. Um, Dr. Will Bolshowitz, there's tons of podcasts. So if you're not into reading books, like there's tons of podcasts that he's done, but that was kind of one thing that solidified my, I was already on the vegetarian vegan track, but that was kind of a book that came out. I want to say 2020 that solidified where I was going and seemed to really help me. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, that's really amazing that you were able to almost naturally, I don't want to necessarily say naturally, but non-pharmaceutically fix your numbers or, or make your numbers at least a little bit better. So that's really awesome. Um, so then I know you were mentioning previously that you were having some time getting a good healthcare team. Um, so have you ever been in a situation where um, you haven't had the greatest situations with doctors and how do you cope with that? It's tough. It's tough as a spoonie. You already are so low on spoons and, you know, have life to deal with and your illness. And then on top of that, you have to fight for good treatments and good teams and doctors that will listen to you. So if you're going through it, like, I know, I feel you and it's, it's hard. Um, in Georgia, we were in a smaller town in Georgia. So there wasn't a ton of help there. I did get diagnosed, which is, you know, good, but it was the doctor that told me to avoid fiber and I ran with it. Then we moved to a small, small town in Pennsylvania, State College, for him to go to Penn State for his postdoc. And there was actually no medical care there. Um, I called and it was going to be over a year wait to get into a GI doctor. And I could go to Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, which was about three hours either way. And still there was, you know, at least a six month wait list. So I, 
I actually, that was the time that I didn't get any treatment for my IBD and it was scary and, and frustrating. I was getting a lot of stuff going on. I have been in a car accident that just came up on a 12 year anniversary, but it was a pretty bad car accident where I hurt my shoulder and a lot of times my inflammation targets there. So, um, when I was in Pennsylvania, I started going through a lot more of those kind of issues uh, where I would have to go see physical therapy or, or um, chiropractors or things like that to try to get the pain levels down. But thankfully, no flares in that time. And then I ended up during the move to California flaring because of the, the stress of the move and the lack of controlling your food for a couple of weeks. And that kind of thing was just really difficult. I'm hoping now I'm in a much better place that I could do another move if I needed to and not get so sick. But um, thankfully, San Diego has some of the best hospital systems in the country. So um, I was able to get out here. And within a couple of months, I had a flare and saw um, an amazing team. And um, so it's really just trial and error. I don't know. Do you have any other advice? I mean, I feel like just not taking a team that isn't right for you is what it, it sucks and it's it's a hard process, but you just you if you get a team that doesn't serve you, then you have to find a new one. Yeah. I, I do think sometimes we get in this mindset that um doctors are the ones who know what they're talking about. And so for us to go against that or for us to say, I don't think I want to continue dealing with you is, is really hard. And it's kind of weird to think about. Um, so I think coming in with a lot of previous knowledge about what you're going through, write it down before going in and, and be prepared to put to, to put your foot down. And so exactly what you were saying though, is you bring somebody with you to be able to speak on your behalf when you're sometimes not able to vocalize it. Um, jumping into that you was that your husband you were seeing um was your support system how has your support system affected you or like been crucial to you um and your 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 development through everything and your recovery is the word I was looking for <laughs> yeah I am lucky and I I never want to take for granted or brag, but I have been with my husband now since we were in high school. We were high school sweethearts and we got to go through this whole journey together. So I'm very thankful for him and just the support because he didn't sign up for this either, you know? And so you go through this and life changes and it doesn't look exactly like you had planned, but he's been there every step of the way. He is very supportive. I, I don't think he can ever understand the pain that we go through because he doesn't have any of those issues. And I'm so thankful for that, but he's as good as he can be. He keeps me well-fed. He, um, he helps do a lot of the pickup when I can't, you know, he'll pick up a lot of the slack around the house. We don't have any kids. I don't know how Spoonie mamas do it. You, any, anyone with kids, you're incredible. I can't imagine. Cause some days my dogs are all I can handle, but I am just so thankful for him. And we've kind of been removed. A lot of my family is on the East coast of the U S so it's really him when it comes down to that, like hands-on support. My family of course is very supportive from afar. Um, and my mom actually came up 
to for my first colonoscopy when I got diagnosed. So that was really special to have her helping. But um, yeah, that's that's been crucial. And then I started expanding and we can talk a little bit more about invisible voices and all the things. <laughs> but I started in in COVID really. I had had my diagnosis for four years, but I had more time. Mm -hmm like we all did on our hands. And I started just talking more about my journey and my change from my original career and path through school and then changing into a more fitness um, career. And I started sharing that story online. And I realized how many people out there are also going through what I was going through in those stresses and those changes. So um, finding the online Spoonie community has been just so crucial to the support system that I now have. We have a thread of our close supporters and then we have, um, you know, countless accounts and, and Spoonies that we interact with all the time. And if you are just feeling down or you're struggling or you have a medical question, there are so many people out there that have gone through it or that can support you too. So that's- Yeah, no, that's- yeah. And so um, do you want to just give a little overview on kind of what invisible voices are? Yeah. So I'm a fitness professional. I'm a district manager with a gym here. We have five different locations. So I manage a team of over a hundred ish instructors and it is a crazy job. But during COVID, we closed down a lot of our gyms. We opened up outside and it was kind of chaos, but I had some downtime and started posting and I was posting more in the fitness sense at first, but then I realized there's so much more to this community and it's, it's awareness and it's support and movement and nutrition and stuff is all included in that. But I also wanted to create a community where maybe you're not moving right now. One of the girls that's just a sweet friend in our in community, um, she is bedridden right now. So talking about fitness, you know, is, is not really helpful to where she is on her journey. So it is incorporated into what we do and a lot of adapted fitness and stuff like that is tips that I can offer because it's my specialty, but also just being that support system and being that community and bringing awareness and advocacy. And so all of that to say Invisible Voices was created and it's, it's just that it's a place where our voices can come together. And even though we're battling invisible illnesses, we can be heard and we can be seen. And I wanted to create some merch, but not to be just like a clothing company. I have no aspirations of, of building that, but there was so much lacking in the ability to represent a community that I love so much. So we've created a lot of cute clothes or stickers or things. And you'd be amazed how many times I'm teaching my fitness classes in the gym and I have my sticker that says Spoonie or something. And somebody asks like, oh, what's a Spoonie? Or, you know, like I'll have an IBD. One of our shirts says I have IBD and the IBD is crossed out and it says a disease that makes me strong AF. And so, <laughs> you know, they'll be like, oh, I have IBD too. I had no idea you had it. So it's just a really cool way, like the merch is kind of a side thing to the community, but it's a cool way to to show and and represent that community and bring awareness. 
Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. That's amazing. And so where can people find you and your, um, your, your community there? <laughs> yeah, we would love to have anyone listening. If you're needing support or have questions, a lot of times the cool part too, is like, if you ask us, I say us, um, Kate and I run the page together. It was something that I took on and she was kind of assisting. And then she became a full partner because I, I realized very quickly that on my low spoon count, I could not handle like answering hundreds of DMs all the time, which I love, but it takes two of us for sure. So we have, you know, we would love to have you join the community. Um, and if we don't know, if we aren't going through the same things that you're going through, it's, it's really cool because we're usually able to connect you with someone in the community that also is going through that. Or we could put a poll on our stories that says, hey, this is a problem that somebody reached out to us about. Is anybody else dealing with this? And would be happy to talk about it. So it's definitely not just about Kate and I and our experiences. It's about the whole community helping each other. So we are on Instagram, mostly Facebook, TikTok, we're starting to branch out, but it's just so overwhelming to handle social media all the time. But at the dot invisible dot voices is our account on all of those platforms. And then our website is the invisible voices.com. And so we're starting to produce all kinds of blogs and things on the website. So it's not just about the merch that you can get. Um, in all of this time, my mom is an artist and she created a coloring book called Color Me Strong. Oh. And so she, that was like a passion project. I was so excited to bring that to her. We're hoping to maybe expand that to get it into hospital gift shops or things where mm. people are just really needing that recovery. But all of the pages are hand-drawn and Kate um, got them digitalized for us and and they're all inspirational. And it just, I'm not even an artist. I don't love, that's not like my go-to hobby or passion to draw. <laughs> but when I'm not feeling well, sometimes you just need something to take your mind off of the pain. And so for me, even not being an artist, I found that just coloring just a minute to like calm me down, take my mind off of it can be so much more healing than even just watching TV or something like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm so excited to take a look at that as well. Yeah. Um, and then my last question for you of the day uh, is I try to ask everybody who comes on um, if there's any TV shows, movies, or podcasts that you've been listening to or watching recently, and it can, it can be nothing related to um, chronic health. It, just what are you right now? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, we're kind of in a lull, I feel like, with TV shows. we Our favorite go-to is Friends. And I there's just something about that show that you can turn on and it, you don't even have to pay attention to. And you kind of already know because you've probably seen it six million times. But it's it's just one that it's comforting and it's still funny no matter how many times we watch it. So that's probably our, our biggest go-to show. And then I listen to a lot of cool health-related and business-related topics because I'm hoping to grow this community into a really cool thing. Um, but I work a full-time job and I have no business experience. So I listen to a lot of podcasts on, on fitness and health. 
Um, probably my favorite one is like Rick Roll's um, plant-based podcast that I listen to a lot or, or things like that. And then um, a new one that I just started is called Confessions of a GX Instructor. And it's um, a really cool project that my one of my mentors in fitness just started. I am a master trainer for a new format called Warrior Rhythm. So it's pretty cool. I get to create other instructors um, or, or further their education sometimes too. And she has created a podcast for fitness. So if you're into anything fitness wise, that's a good one. And then all the business stuff that I can get my hands on marketing or, or just self uh, development and all those things. I can send you a whole list of podcasts that I love. Sorry. Of course. Yeah. I'd love that. And I'll uh, post it on, on our little um, description as well of the, the things that you recommend for sure. Well, thank you very much for joining me. I really do appreciate you taking the time. And I know it sometimes it takes quite a few spoons to have this conversation back and forth, but I do t appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for doing this and for creating this space to share our stories. You're amazing and for working with our crazy schedules. So I appreciate it so much. And I hope that it just helps somebody. I know I can talk a lot, so hopefully it wasn't too much and that it helps somebody somewhere.